Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. It was a complete mystery. This is a shocking crime. You know, the kind of shooting that you would think you'd only see in the movies. You could even call it a cold-blooded ambush. I'm Hermela Aragawi. Hermela Aragawi. I'm a reporter with CBS Los Angeles. This happened in the mountains east of LA, way up in the mountains. This guy, dressed as a delivery man, goes up to this home. He knocks on the door. When the guy who's supposed to take the package comes to the door, he pulls out a gun and he shoots three or four times. We then learned that the victim was a lawyer. His name was Mark Angelucci. Angelucci died right there at the scene. I couldn't stop thinking about Mark. I would wake up in tears with my pillow already soaked, just knowing that I now live in a world without Mark. I'll never see him again. I'm Cassie J, and I'm a dear friend of Mark Angelucci. He was just a down-to-earth, at the center of his soul, a good-hearted person. Did your mind start racing about who could have done this? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to jump to any conclusions that this was planned, because it was Mark. It was, everyone loved Mark. Just eight days after Mark Angelucci was murdered, another crime took place, about 2,800 miles away in suburban New Jersey. It seemed like an exact copy, the delivery man, the gunshots. I was notified that a shooting had occurred at a federal judge's residence in New Jersey. I'm Joe Denahan, FBI Newark field office. Police telling us that that gunman was dressed up as a delivery man when he rang the doorbell here at their home. Right here behind me. Who when they would want to hurt the judge or 
who would want to hurt someone in her family? Her college-aged son sustained a gunshot wound to the chest. I get a call from one of my friends. He's like, there's an article that Dan was shot. Go to Google right now. So uh, I go to Google, and sure enough, there's article after article after article just describing what's happening. Nothing inside of me believed it because I couldn't get over the fact I'd seen him five hours before. There's no way this is happening. Every article was saying that Dan had passed away at the scene. There was one that had said, no, like he's in the hospital, he's in bad shape, but he's alive. And that was the article that everyone was clinging to. Like, there's hope. What ended up happening was a man had come to their door to drop off a package. That man was not a FedEx employee. That was a very bad man. Two heinous but similar crimes on opposite sides of the country. Were they connected? We did not have the subject in pocket. We had no idea who it was. You know, you have a violent and unstable person. So we were aggressively preparing for that possible confrontation. Documentary filmmaker Cassie J still has a hard time grasping that her close friend, Mark Angelucci, is dead. We almost had a kind of brother-sisterly love for each other and respect, and he was my biggest protector and also my biggest cheerleader. Angelucci had been living in Cedar Pines Park, California, a sleepy little village here in the San Bernardino Mountains, east of Los Angeles. It was broad daylight when he came to his door to sign for that package on July 11, 2020. The 52-year-old attorney never had a chance. He was shot point blank. This looked like a targeted assassination. Hermela Aragawi reported the story for CBS2 Los Angeles. It was actually someone else who answered the door, but the delivery man insisted that Angelucci sign for the package. Detectives would learn that the shooter had used a 380 caliber handgun, but had precious few clues about his identity. He got away in a white car before anyone could stop him. It was, at the time, a complete mystery to everyone. The detectives couldn't tell us much. The sheriff's department didn't have much either. Cassie was nearly 500 miles away at her home in Marin County. Tell us about Mark. Who was Mark Angelucci? Oh, 
If you could think of the most humble, sincere, fun, that was Mark. And all of his friends will tell you that. Mark was popular, and photos he posted online show his spirit. But he never married, nor had any children. A sought-after attorney, his passion was his work. So when you say prominent attorney, I picture fancy suit, nice car, big house. Was that Mark? Not at all. I mean, he couldn't be more opposite than that. He had a beat-up car, old car. Uh, he was not a materialistic person by any means. And he had a rare and controversial specialty, gender discrimination against men. He often spoke at conferences. I believe we need to hold people accountable for false accusations and not just talk about it. I met Mark when I went to interview him for my feature documentary, The Red Pill, which is about the men's rights movement. And at the time, I was very skeptical. I had been working on films about women's issues uh, my entire adult life. Why do you think men's issues have been ignored for so long? I think there are a number of reasons. I mean, one of them is simply that men are conditioned not to complain as much, especially if it's about a gender issue. Mark was not making a case for male supremacy, she says. What's more, he was not like the men she met who came to the men's rights movement after going through a bitter divorce or custody battle. And so it was more of a uh, fight for justice in his eyes, that we should all be treated equally. Domestic violence, you're starting, you're seeing more and more awareness about male victims and false accusations. Fathers, custody rights, I think it's, it's all a very slow process, but we are seeing awareness. Mark won Cassie over, not only as an advocate, but as a human being. And in the few hours long interview with him, I just adored him by the end of it. He was just so engaging. Of all men's rights activists I met, he was really a unique character. So he didn't hate women? Oh no, 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 Mark, no. Mark was strictly about fairness, justice, equality, no matter their gender. He was there to stand up for the underdog. And since those so-called underdogs were often underfunded, she says, a lot of his work was pro bono. And he did most of that work for free. Yes. I know it's really shocking and kind of hard to believe, but he wasn't motivated by money. When Cassie's film was finished, she kept talking with Mark. He would just ramble on and on and on and about everything that he had worked on, but then he would also want to ask me everything about my life, and we could just talk for endless hours. He was curious about you, too. It wasn't all about him. Oh, yeah. He was one of her most cherished friends by the time she got married in 2018. He made the six or seven hour drive. In my eyes, he just had to be there. I mean, he was really became a part of my family. He, he really was a big part of my life. Now that someone took his life, Cassie wanted to know why. I mean, immediately I kind of went into detective mode. I was trying to make sense of who could do something so awful to Mark of all people. He didn't have any enemies as far as you knew. Exactly. And, and I, I really wanted to hold space for it just being this fluke, maybe even accidental murder. But she did wonder if Mark's work made him a target. 
I started digging into the different cases that he was involved in. I realized that he was defending defenseless people in difficult situations, innocent people without a lot of money, who were going up against very powerful people with a lot of money. Police said the motive was unknown and hoped someone would come forward with a tip. This was a strange crime. They knew that a killer was out there. They didn't know who, they didn't know why. They did have a well-founded fear that the killer would strike again. And sure enough, far away, a nearly identical crime was about to take place. Police are still here at the scene. They have had this entire street blocked off. My whole body gave out. I was like, this isn't happening. And I was like, no, like this, this can't be true. A sense of safety is important to everyone. And that's why I want to talk to you about Simply Safe. It's an advanced security system that protects your entire home so you can rest easy. Simply Safe is completely customizable with advanced sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. You can have 24-7 professional home monitoring for less than $1 a day. So try Simply Safe for 60 days risk-free. If you don't love it, you can return your system for a full refund. Plus, we're offering listeners 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect monitoring. Don't wait. Visit simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. That's simplysafe.com slash 48 hours. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Say goodbye to performance robbing engine deposits with Shell V Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Hate to break it to you, but lower grade fuel can leave deposits in your engine that build up over time and leave your engine's performance severely lacking. Thankfully, Shell V Power Nitro Plus removes up to 100% of performance-robbing deposits with continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors. Download the Shell app today to find your nearest Shell station and rejuvenate your engine with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline. Fuel up at Shell. Nearly 3,000 miles away from the California town where Mark Angelucci was murdered, a family of a well-respected judge in suburban New Jersey was about to be blindsided by another vicious attack. Do you affirm that the oath you're about to take? Esther Salas was the state's first Latina federal judge. I took an oath, and I stand by that oath. I follow the law. When she testified at her Senate nomination hearing in 2011, her family was at her side. Here is my husband, Mark Anderl, uh, my son, Daniel who's uh, really excited and he wanted me to make sure that, that, that Madam, Madam Chairwoman, that you knew that he got permission from his principal to be here, Sister Mary Louise. Daniel, their only child, was just 10 at the time. I can tell he's very proud of you. He has a big smile on his face. <laughs> Federal Judge Salas's life story is inspiring. She was raised with four siblings by an immigrant mother in a small apartment. At age 10, she rescued the family cat from a fire that left them homeless. Through it all, she diligently pursued her education, and she was a law intern when she fell in love with attorney Mark Anderl. 
He's highly energetic, easily distracted, hardworking, um, and a lot of fun to work with. David Oakley, Mark's law partner, is a close family friend. There's only three of them, and they were so close-knit and so affectionate. Mark had a demanding workload, and his wife often handled hundreds of criminal and civil cases simultaneously. But they both always had time for Daniel, who shared his father's passion for sports. And Andros on in relief. Joe Augustine coached Daniel in baseball for 10 years. Dan was the ultimate teammate. He always came prepared. He always came with energy. And his talent was promising. But after graduating high school, Daniel chose not to participate in college sports. He was committed to following in his parents' footsteps. He made a very conscious decision to focus on his studies. He definitely decided to try to aspire to law school. In 2018, he went off to the Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. His parents remained as involved in his life as ever. I have never met a kid who speaks more highly of his parents. He, his mom, and his dad were his best friends in the world, and he would let you know that. Classmates Kat Haley and Sarah Peterson say Daniel was a friend they could count on. There was a bug in our room at 2 in the morning, and we were terrified. We were like, Dan, get over here right now. He hops on his electric skateboard and is over within 30 seconds. In his pajamas. <laughs> Ready to kill the bug. And then he was like, OK, anything else? <laughs> we literally have a video of him dancing in the rain. And if that doesn't like explain his character, I don't know what does. <laughs> College continued to be a blast. In New York City, the virus is spreading so fast. But then came March 2020 and COVID. People are concerned there will not be enough resources to fight the disease. We went home for spring break, and then they made the announcement, you're not coming back. It was weird going from seeing someone every single day to just all of a sudden just nothing. That summer, as Daniel's 20th birthday neared, he was sorely missing his friends. His parents worried about the pandemic, but felt if everyone adhered to guidelines, those friends could come visit for the weekend. It was really awesome, really nice. Matthew Ziegler, one of Daniel's best friends, arrived, like the others, on Friday, July 17th. We were just hanging out outside, and mostly it was very nice out. I mean, his parents were actually catering dinner for us there. <laughs> You picture a federal judge, and obviously she's very professional, but she's very friendly. We were chatting about boys and about what I wanted to do in the future. She really took us under her wing. For a couple blissful days, there were no signs of trouble. We were just so happy to all finally see each other. It was incredible. And when they bid Daniel goodbye that Sunday, they had no inkling how bittersweet those moments would become. And he was like, all right, love you. I said, love you too. And that was kind of the last conversation um, we ended up having. All he kept saying that weekend was, this is the best weekend of my life. Hours later, Judge Salas says she and Daniel were still riding high as they cleaned up the basement. The weekend was a glorious one. She would later release this video telling what happened next. And we were chatting, as we always do. And Daniel said, Mom, let's keep talking. I love talking to you, Mom. 
And it was at that exact moment that the doorbell rang. Upstairs, Mark peered out to see a man holding a package. He saw some FedEx guy. Thought it was odd. It was Sunday. But then again, Esther got a lot of FedExes because, you know, COVID and the courts being shut down. And Daniel looked at me and said, who is that? And before I could say a word, he sprinted upstairs. Daniel came springing up the stair from the basement and opened the door. Within seconds, I heard the sound of bullets and someone screaming, no! As we were rolling out to the location, I certainly had a feeling that we were in uncharted territory here. On July 19, 2020, FBI Incident Commander Joe Denahan was sent on an urgent call. There was a shooting at Judge Esther Salas's home in New Jersey. The details were daunting. An individual had rang the doorbell, had asked Danny, Judge Salas's son, to go get Judge Salas so she could sign for an envelope, a delivery. Um, and at that point, a shooting began almost immediately, right there in the foyer of their house, just a few inches in from the front door. By the time Esther Salas got upstairs from the basement, the shooter was gone. Mark, her husband of 25 years, had been shot three times and was critically injured. Their son was shot in the chest. They watched his life fade away. My family has experienced a pain that no one should ever have to endure. As Mark was rushed to the hospital, investigators got to work. I think terrorism is always something we consider immediately. It was certainly at the forefront of our mind. We just didn't know if it was something that was an organized group or a single lone offender. A lone offender might be someone who held a grudge against one of Daniel's parents. It is still unclear if Judge Salas was the intended target or her husband. We had several people who had made uh, either derogatory or borderline threatening comments to the judge, and we began to do profile workups on all those individuals. Mark had briefly seen the shooter, but could not describe him well. He described as best he could. He sustained a very, very serious gunshot wound to the abdomen. He was alive, he said, because of his son. As he told his friend David Oakley, Daniel died a hero. He said he remembered Daniel raising his arms. Um, and uh, getting shot and falling back. Daniel, being Daniel, protected his father. And he took the shooter's first bullet directly to the chest. Judge Salas and Mark Anderl were left with an unbearable loss. They'd lived through four heartbreaking miscarriages and called Daniel their miracle baby. He was the center of their universe. While my husband is still in the hospital, recovering from his multiple surgeries, we are living every parent's worst nightmare, making preparations to bury, bury our only child. 
Daniel. He was also mourned by his friends. Initial reaction was kind of just sitting in my family room with my family and just praying. Um, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to go through, still going through. It's horrible. I can't even imagine who would do this and who would want to do this to such an innocent kid. Investigators were anxious to find out. Within a day, the case was in high gear. Police are still searching for the gunman who got away. With multiple federal and state agencies conducting investigations. At the same time, 150 miles away, on a remote road in New York State's Catskill Mountains, another case was just beginning. Reagan Road is a dead-end road in a, a very rural section of northern Sullivan County. State Police Captain Brian Webster says his troopers responded to a call and found a dead man with a bullet in his head. His body lay in the grass near an unoccupied car. He had a wallet with photo identification on him. The dead man was Roy Den Hollander, a 72-year-old attorney who lived in New York City. It didn't ring any, any bells. I didn't know the name. Who killed this out-of-town lawyer? And why here? Murders are rare in this area. And if that's what this was, the cops had their work cut out for them. But the evidence at the scene pointed to something else. There's a Walther semi-automatic pistol located in, in very close proximity to the deceased subject there. It appeared that he had a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. Suicide is something that we handle uh, all the time. And one particular item in the car was alarming. They had found a FedEx envelope that it was addressed to Judge Esther Salas in New Jersey. And the investigator who actually finds the envelope uh, was familiar with recent news reporting. He had known that Esther Salas was a federal judge whose son was recently murdered. Chopper 2 shows investigators swarming the scene. Webster immediately reported the apparent suicide to the FBI. He had used a 380 caliber handgun, and the 380 was the same caliber that was used at the judge's home. As unexpected as this was, the evidence seemed clear. Roy Den Hollander shot Mark and Daniel Anderl, then drove to upstate New York and took his own life. He was unusual in this, in a certain sense, you know, being 72 years old, a highly educated attorney, member of the bar. But when police began looking through other items in his car, they discovered even more evidence that the now dead New York attorney was a killer. They found an address, a residence in a small village in the mountains east of Los Angeles. When we ran the address through, we realized that there was a murder that had occurred at that address. That murder victim was Mark Angelucci, the California attorney gunned down by his front door just eight days before the attack in New Jersey. The details were chillingly familiar. He had to sign for a package. When the victim arrived at the front door, he was shot with a 3 d caliber handgun. The California detectives had been stymied. Now, Roy Den Hollander appeared to be responsible for that crime, too. It was a mystery for San Bernardino County Sheriff's Office. They had uh, no subjects at the time, but they were actively working it, and they partnered well with us. So working closely with them, um, I think we were able to piece together a lot of the puzzle. Den Hollander did have the opportunity. 
investigators learned that in early July, he had taken a cross-country train trip to Los Angeles. Here at Union Train Station in downtown Los Angeles, Den Hollander walked right through those doors. He was caught on surveillance camera. Here's the picture. Authorities matched this photo with another image taken at another train station just four days earlier in San Bernardino, east of Los Angeles. Investigators say that's Den Hollander wearing a mask and calmly carrying a cup of coffee. That train station was just 20 miles from Angelucci's home. The timeline fit. After the murder, as California detectives searched for clues, Den Hollander was on his way back east, ultimately to Judge Salas's home. It's terrifying to think that there are people out there who are capable of these sorts of, of crimes. FBI investigators were convinced that Roy Den Hollander committed both of these crimes, but they had no motive, and they didn't know why he chose these victims who lived so far apart. There was a lot to learn about the cold-blooded killer and his troubled past that included a stint in Moscow, a Russian model, even a televised street brawl. See how investigators piece together the gunman's movements at 48hours.com. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The FBI believed that the three incidents were linked. The murder of a San Bernardino County attorney is connected to a deadly shooting at a federal judge's home in New Jersey. Two harrowing crimes. Mark Angelucci was killed. 2,800 miles apart. What caused a man to open fire inside a federal judge's home in New Jersey? And one suicide. Roy Denhollander discovered dead in his car today. On a faraway dead-end road. A multi-state homicide investigation is not something that, that we deal with very often. After attorney Roy Dan Hollander took his own life, the agents later found a lengthy online manuscript he left behind, part memoir, part manifesto. We were dealing with an unstable person who I think is fair to say was a coward. He was a ticking time bomb hiding in plain sight, but he had once had a successful career. Roy was a very 
personable, articulate, affable guy. Joe Serio met Den Hollander in Moscow. It was 1999, and Serio worked for an American consulting firm there, overseeing its investigations. Den Hollander was a new hire. He had a bit of charisma about him. Den Hollander had an impressive resume. He once worked for a prestigious law firm and had earned an Ivy League MBA. This is a guy who apparently is successful, and he's in good shape. Even so, something seemed off. He also dyed his hair. And he had nothing against dying hair, but he told us why. Why? Because he could pick up babes easier that way. Babes, that yes, was the babes word he babes is the used. word he used a lot. And my idea of what a 50-year-old is and how they should be, quote-unquote, conducting themselves, it wasn't matching up. Dan Hollander wasted no time hitting Russian bars and clubs. It was an obsession. It was, he, he was fixated on women and going out and chatting up women, dancing with women, picking up women. Serio, whose new book is titled Vodka, Hookers, and the Russian Mafia, My Life in Moscow, recognized the risk. At the time, Russia was in the throes of political and economic upheaval. I've been here for 10 years. You just parachuted in. I know what happens to foreigners who go chasing women. What happens to them? They get drugged. They get robbed. Every once in a while, they got killed. In this case, that didn't happen. Den Hollander stayed in Russia for a year, married a 24-year-old woman named Alina, and moved back to the States with her. What did he tell you about her? He talked about her body. She was a model, apparently, or a model status. You know, that kind of a body, that kind of attractiveness. These photos of Alina were on Den Hollander's website. The union was contentious and short-lived. They filed for divorce, both claiming cruel treatment. In his memoir, Den Hollander rips into his ex-wife, calling her a poison dragon. One of the themes that we saw was he was a very angry person, and he was a misogynist, and he blamed women for the failures of his life. It would take about this much paper, 2,000 pages, to print Den Hollander's entire manuscript. It's largely a hate-filled diatribe against females, starting with his mother and extending to women in positions of power. Let me read you just a couple lines from it. As for that most virulent form of female evil, the feminazis, I despise them, despise them for the harm they've intentionally done to men. He vows to fight them until his last breath. When I was reading his, his manifesto, I was imagining a person walking into a pool. And he's walking into this pool his whole life. After his divorce, Den Hollander began filing a flurry of lawsuits aimed to eliminate what he saw as female privilege, most notably, ladies' nights at bars. The person who might be taken advantage of is me. Girls have power. They've always had power. Somebody argued, ladies' nights in bars is a benefit to men. So why in God's name are you trying to get rid of that? But he saw it as... He saw it as just another way those bitches are cutting out the legs from underneath men. 
The self-described anti-feminist lawyer became a go-to guy for provocative media stories. And who eats more? Oh, absolutely. But only against the feminists. All right. It's obvious to everyone outside of him that none of this makes him look good. He's losing cases. He's losing decisions. And sometimes he lost his composure. As seen here, when he was shooting a profile with a French TV crew and took his anger to the streets. At 70 ans, he joue the sheriffs. But do you think there was also a part of him that realized people were laughing at him, or at least rolling their eyes at him? I don't know how he could not have seen it. The last time you went out, whose car was it? Who paid for the taxi? Who paid for the dinner? And then look back I've over your life. I've picked up my share of tabs in my, in oh. my time, in my life. Thank yeah. you very much. Well, what are you doing tonight, then? Yeah. Den Hollander wrote that he was diagnosed with a deadly form of melanoma in 2018. He berated his doctors and continued his rants. In July 2020, his rage turned deadly. Why did he go after Mark Angelucci? In Roy's mind, Mark was guilty of encroaching on Roy's territory. Angelucci's hard work had been paying off. He had made some progress in court with male discrimination cases involving the all-male military draft. Mark didn't even realize that he was in danger, that this guy had a grudge. I don't think so. Cassie J didn't realize it either, although she'd spent considerable time researching men's rights. Had you ever heard of this guy, Roy Den Hollander? No, I've never heard of him. He's never come across my radar. He wasn't embraced by the men's rights movement. No one referred him to me. As for Esther Salas, investigators believe she was targeted because Den Hollander blamed her, wrongly, for slowing down one of his lawsuits. In spewing hate-filled words, he called her a, quote, lazy and incompetent Latina judge. David Oakley is still trying to make sense of the damage Den Hollander caused. People are capable of evil. It's often probably very difficult to distinguish it from derangement. But there is evil, and of course there could be some kind of combination of the two. This was not one of those cases where you you would say, oh, this is the last person I would expect to do something. It wasn't that. It made sense. No one knows why Roy Den Hollander chose to drive to this remote part of the Catskills. But when he was a child, his family had a vacation home nearby. As FBI agents continued going through those papers left at the scene, they found other unsettling leads, more names. We did uncover a list of a large number of individuals, some were in the legal field, some were in the medical field. There is no publicly known evidence that Roy Den Hollander harmed anyone other than the known victims. But investigators were unnerved to find papers in his car with yet more names, including other judges and people in the medical field. We always assumed nefarious intent was someone like this, and so we wanted to make sure that although we didn't think there was any existing 
threat to them anymore. We wanted to let them know um, that their name was found on this list. FBI agents concluded that the 72-year-old attorney had acted alone. We know a great deal about Mr. Hollander. Uh, we spent, you know, hundreds of hours analyzing his writings. His website had a lot of sexist, racist, hate speech on it. You said that the men's rights movement is not angry white men with a chip on their shoulder about women. Mm -hmm. And yet this guy was an angry white man with a chip on his shoulder about women. If you want an example, Royden Hollander wrote a book and he dedicated it to his mom, May She Burn in Hell. Despite the grudge he held against Mark Angelucci, Cassie J says the killer was nowhere near Mark's equal as an advocate. What are the big cases that he took on for men's rights? So one of his proudest accomplishments was he sued the state of California for refusing to fund services for male victims of domestic violence. And he won that case uh, on equal protection clause in California. Mark scored other legal victories, she says, but never lost his sense of humanity. He lived a life that we should all strive to emulate. And anyone who knew him were, were better for it. Daniel Anderl barely made it to age 20, but he too lived a purposeful life. He would always be one of the first people I'd go to for advice about anything, and he was always there to listen. He was such a good listener. He truly is one of the best people I've ever met in my entire life. We were always texting each other, like, if anything bad was going on, it was, hey, like, let me talk to you really quick. Like, just get, let me get your opinions. The quality that I admired about him most was his ability to love others and his ability to love even when he was hurt by others. He was a very low-stress guy, and it was I think it was because he just lived in the present moment so well. His friends all remember that tight-knit relationship he had with his mother and father. He was so proud of his parents. He loved what they did. His mom was a federal judge of New Jersey. He was ecstatic, and he talked about her accomplishments and his father's accomplishments all the time. I just want to be there and support them in any way I can. David Oakley is eager to help his friends. He was Daniel's godfather, and they shared a deep devotion to their faith. I have direct evidence that he died heroically, that he had a, a holy death. And so I have no hesitation about praying to Daniel, and I have been. There is nobody else I know that would do something like that except for Dan to sacrifice his own life to save someone else. And it was instinctual for him. In that moment, he knew, this is what I have to do. This is what I'm going to do. Seven months after taking three bullets, Mark Anderl is still recovering. He's on the mend, but it's a very slow, slow process. He and Judge Salas have now found a way to have Daniel's goodwill live on. My son's death cannot be in vain. 
The judge says the shooter was looking for her that day and had no problem finding her at her own home. The free flow of information from the internet allowed this sick and depraved human being to find all our personal information and target us. She and her husband have been fighting hard to change that. And in November 2020, they scored a major victory. New Jersey's governor signed a new law named for their son. I am honored today to sign Daniel's law, judge. The law prohibits making the home address of judges available to the public. Daniel's law will make a difference. It will protect judges from senseless acts of violence. It's a fitting legacy, she says. In the seconds before his death, Daniel asked me to keep talking to him because he loved talking to me. Well, Daniel, on behalf of all New Jersey judges, I thank you, son, for all you have done. This is now the law of the land. Judge Salas and Mark Anderl are now taking Daniel's law to the U.S. Congress, using it as a model for what they hope will become a federal law. They remain as devoted to their son as ever. I am profoundly moved by seeing how Mark and Esther are dealing with this unspeakable event. They've turned it into something positive for others. Legislation inspired by Daniel's Law has been introduced in the U.S. Congress. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. American judges are being harassed, threatened, and even attacked more than ever. What is being done about it? 60 Minutes Sunday on CBS. An unsolved crime that stunned the world. Please tell us where to find her. Now, new pieces to the puzzle. A new suspect in the disappearance of Madeleine McCann. His cell phone was tracked at the crime scene. Is he guilty in the Maddie McCann case? 48 Hours, Saturday at 10, 9 Central on CBS.
The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on the 48 Hours Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Take true crime with you on your shirt, mug, or hat with official 48 Hours merchandise at ParamountShop.com. You can take 20% off with code HOURS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all 48 Hours products with code HOURS20 at ParamountShop.com. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus.